0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewed I am Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, which you can find at SKNR.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, technology, conventions, pop culture, and more. You can also catch us at BJ Shays Geek Nation on KISW and we have a simulcast on our site. You can go to Pinal, P I N A L Central.com, keyword Skewed and see a uh, archive of reviews that we've done for the, what is it, 22 papers now in 10 or 11 markets. We have our student-reviewed magazine. We're working on the new issue as we speak. And, of course, you can catch us in syndication at places such as N4G, Sci-Fi Radio, and much more. And I am joined again with uh, Justin and Michael. We've got a really interesting week. I have just got back a couple of days ago from California, where I covered the media night for Not Scary Farm, and uh, went over and did a day at Disneyland. You can see uh, video and pictures from that up on the site. Uh, Not Scary Farm was fantastic. Uh, Went through all the mazes, including the three brand new ones. Michael's going to go check it out this week, and he also has uh, SeaWorld Hallow Scream to cover, so a lot of good stuff there. And so we're getting in and getting up to date as as to uh, what's going on before things really turn the corner. Uh, we've had some news in the entertainment industry, which is very good, and looks like things will slowly start inching back to normal. We've got Toy Fair New York Comic Con coming up, so a lot of stuff. So kicking off the show, wanted to mention uh, new products from Gunner Optics. The company's been around a while, and they make fantastic gaming glasses that are both effective and stylish that help cut down the glare that is associated with uh, long-term use of the computer, not just for playing games, but for everyday use. It has uh, patented blue light blocking technology, and so you don't get what they call computer vision uh, syndrome. They have uh, medical-grade features that help reduce the digital eye strain, prevent dry eye, pest glare, and they fit very comfortably. They're also very stylish. So you know, if someone does see you using them, you're not going to have to, you know, hide yourself like uh, the glasses they give the people in the uh, military and that sort of thing. And they've also uh, reportedly, uh, a recent study has told uh, users that they can have a better quality sleep incorporating the glasses into their daily routine as the blue light exposure before bedtime is known to disrupt circadian rhythms. So, If you want to check them out, we are going to have them in our holiday gift guide. They have a huge lineup of very impressive glasses. Uh, I can tell you, for some of the extended Call of Duty stuff, it comes in very, very handy, especially with some of the new things that are coming for Call of Duty that we'll talk about a bit later. Uh, You definitely want to check out Gunner Optics. So, gentlemen, we had a little bit of news happen yesterday, and that is that... The Writers Guild of America and the uh, TV and film studios have apparently reached a deal. They're dotting the I's, crossing the T's with the lawyers and taking it to the rank and file. And uh, the belief is that the writers will be getting back to work very soon, which uh, we will first see the results from this with the return of talk shows. I was told as of last night when the announcement came down that staff members, and I want to be clear, not writers like Uh, hairdressers, makeup artists, lighting, set directors, costumers, that sort of thing, we're told uh, that uh, they can return to work. Some of them may be returning as early as tomorrow once the Yom Kippur uh, holiday is over. And uh, as soon as the writers can show up, many believe that we will see scripted talk shows returning as early as the first week of October, but definitely by the second week. So we'll start with you, Justin. What do you make of this, and are you surprised it got done now?
1: Uh it's good news. Um, as to whether I'm surprised that it got done now, I I don't think I'm really surprised in either direction. Uh, it had to end eventually. Uh, the longer it dragged out, I think the, the the higher likelihood it was going to come to some sort of conclusion, just because I think pressure was mounting on both sides to come to some sort of agreement. I guess the thing that is a little surprising about it is that there hasn't in the last few, at least as far as I'm aware, there hasn't really been a lot of rumblings of, of different um, of news or, or, uh, or uh, attempted um, negotiation deals. Uh, The last several weeks, it seems like it's been relatively quiet. Then all of a sudden, they say that there's a there's a deal, a tentative deal. Um, Definitely good news, though. It remains to be seen what the total ramifications will be for all of the different projects. Obviously, several movies have already been delayed into next year. Um, You know, and a lot of uh, uh, television series is also probably going to be affected for the next uh, season, couple seasons probably. So there're definitely going to be some pretty wide ramifications that we don't even quite know yet, but it definitely is great news that this is over. Uh, well, I say tentatively over, it's, it's, uh, don't want to put cart before the horse uh, the members have to agree upon it, uh, or vote upon it still. So we still have to, you know, go through the final hurdle, but at, at the very least there's a tentative deal between the two parties, um. And uh, after that, then all of these different projects can start rolling ahead.
0: Yeah, it sounds very optimistic, though, that's for sure. Michael, what do you take away from all this?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an improvement over where we were a week ago or a month ago, right? So it sounds like they've made some progress. They've kind of come up with a deal that's right now seems to be acceptable. Um, They're acceptable terms for what they're looking for. Um, It'll be interesting, really, to see what happens with the Actors Guild, SAG Actors Guild and all that now going forward, um, which I think might even have bigger ramifications on things like um, prices, both from a streaming perspective and from a movie theater perspective, because I would expect that this is not something that the studios are going to, um, they're going to try to push those costs off somewhere, which tends to be the consumer, um, tends to not impact the studio as much as it impacts the consumer. And even if the the studios are making, you know, millions uh, on top of what they're already making with these changes, it'll be curious to see what we see as far as um, I can see increases. We're already seeing increases in prices for like streaming services. Uh, Movie theater prices are probably set to go up again. Um, So again, it'll be really interesting to see what the ramifications are going forward. Um, obviously, I, I think um, from, a, from a, the perspective of the writers in particular, a lot of them those weren't even getting livable wages, even when they were full-time on a writer gig on some of these shows. So I think the fact that they're renegotiating that to a point where they're actually going to get um, something a little bit more amicable is definitely a good thing. Uh, again, I just think it'll be interesting to see um, where we go with the Screen Actors Guild from here, particularly if they're using this for a template movie. Board. and if we see that as a um, increase across the board for uh, the consumers or if they come up with other ways to to make that happen again, not saying that the actors or the writers don't deserve an increase at all I just think um, a lot of these things are not done at the goodness heart, you know the goodness of the studios hearts. Um, they, they're gonna try to recoup some of these extra costs somehow and I can see that being you know potentially two ways of them doing
0: Yeah, it's interesting you mention that because we've already heard rumblings of uh, cost increases coming up for streaming services, and uh, today we're getting news of cancellations again. Apparently, Stars has canceled four of its series, and uh, the high-profile one was the Stephen Amell wrestling drama Heels is being canceled. Uh, They are not going to go ahead with Run the World and the TV film. continuation blind spotting they wrapped up both of their seasons and it was interesting that apparently they had a series in development called uh, The Venery of Samantha Bird and the word is that it was much of the way through production before uh, being paused by the strike apparently there were only two episodes left to shoot and they just said you know what thanks scrap we're not even going to air it it's done and you know that is kind of an unusual thing Uh, in that you would think that they're going to need as much content as they have, but then you have to play the game of how much is it going to cost to uh, bring it all together. Now, here's an interesting one. Uh, No shocker, in the United States, Disney and Hulu are looking to combine the app into one service. So essentially, Hulu, as I understand it, would be like a category of Disney Plus or vice versa, similar to like how they have National Geographic, that sort of thing. Well... Uh, not only are we getting that, we're getting a reported cost increase. And then on top of it, they are apparently removing a lot of shows from the service. And some of the shows that I've heard that are going to be going include L.A. McBeal, Arrested Development, Bob Newhart. And I'm just naming like high profile ones here. Hill Street Blues, The Practice. Um, you know, there are some other popular shows for a niche audience, stuff like that, like Son of Zorn and that sort of thing. Uh, The Masked, uh, Dancer, things like that. But what people are really surprised is some of the older things, like Beverly Hills, 90210, Heaven, The Hills, uh, some of the real world, RuPaul's Drag Race, apparently all these are being removed. And this is all a cost-cutting measure. So, you know, it does lead to the question of you're removing shows to save money, You're canceling shows to save money. You're raising the prices. Definitely seems like, uh, you know, they're trying to make up for the losses and pass on the expected cost increases. And I think it remains to be seen. I, I don't mind removal of content if it is content that is not drawing. But you better make sure you have something of quality to replace it because I don't want to be paying more money for less content and, you know, That's where you are. Like, for example, Peacock right now is doing very well. They've got, uh, they rolled out the new John Wick series, The Continental, the other day. And while it is only a three episode event, each episode is roughly 90 minutes long. And, you know, people will debate oh, well, it's not this, it's not that. I look at it and say they definitely put some time and effort into it. There's definitely money put into it. I think it's done very well based on the episode I saw. You know, I appreciated seeing Futurama coming back. I've appreciated Ahsoka. So, you know, let's see how Loki and the content moving forward is. And hopefully uh, we'll see really good things ahead, because I'm curious as to when they're going to try to get in the fall TV series. I think uh, they may just not even bother with November, December, because traditionally that's when they take a hiatus due to the holidays. And I wonder if they're just going to say... We're coming back late January, early February, and uh, go from there. It will be very, very, very interesting. That is for sure. So uh, moving on from that, gentlemen, let's talk about uh, the, the quest for new content. Obviously, the studios all want the next big thing. I heard this morning, believe it or not, there is a bidding war going on right now for the rights to the Halloween franchise. And apparently what has happened is, we all know uh, the very nice Danny McBride series recently wrapped up through Bloomhouse and Universal. They don't have the rights to it anymore. They told their story. The rights went back to Miramax, and apparently they're shopping both film and TV rights around to various studios, essentially saying, who wants to purchase the rights not to own it outright, but to essentially make contact for the next X number of years? And from what I'm gathering, there is a lot of interest, and there is some very intense bidding going on. Michael, take us away. What do you think about this?
2: Well, I think what we've learned It's funny. I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday where – I don't know, but like seven or eight years ago, Halloween as a holiday kind of seemed to be dwindling – And lately, over the past four or five years, the the holiday and the scary movies and franchises that go along with that have really kind of hit a a, a resurgence and have become become super popular again. So what we've seen here,
1: we've seen with the Chucky television series, what we saw with the the
2: remakes, the Halloween movies, is that that Halloween, that particular franchise, is big business. I think a lot of these, um, Friday the 13th, Halloween, child's play, a lot of these more
1: gory but thematic um, franchises have really become, I think, ultra popular
2: over the past, I would say, you know, again, five or six years, again, where we've seen kind of resurgence of Halloween with um, the popularity of the the holiday, not to be confused with the franchise, um, and these types of movies, horror movies in general, horror franchises in general, have really seen, you know, again, I you know, kind of like we saw with superhero movies with Marvel when they started releasing, they've, they've really kind of come into their own with popularity. I mean, we see that with the Saw franchise continuing. So I, I think um, it doesn't surprise me at all that there's a bidding war for such a um, historic brand as the Halloween brand. Um, and in particular, um, even, you know, the, 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 I, I liked the, the recent um, trilogy. I thought they did a really good job with it. Um, you know, and that, Some of those movies have been kind of hit or miss um, with the various tellings over the years. But I I think now is a good time. I think now is an opportunity for them to shop around that as either a, they could do it as a streaming um, series, or they could do it as another future length film or trilogy of films, and I think they could pretty much get their money back. So I think right now is the uh, for Miramax to be shopping the rights, I think it's the absolute perfect time to be doing that. Uh, I don't think there's any any hint that the Halloween um, franchise and horror movies in general are slowing down um, Again, even movies like, you know, we see scream continuing to do well, um, those types of things. So if it's done well, if the Halloween movies are done well, um, they can even do offshoots, you know, and maybe they can only tell the a uh, uh, retelling of the story on so many times, but they can, like we saw with um, the latest trilogy, they can, you know, they continue that, um, Franchise and, and continue I think they did it well, but they could always do a retelling of it, or even an offshoot um, utilizing some of the main character tropes. But even you know, even doing maybe with side characters or something, kind of like Scream has done um, to keep things going. So yeah, I think I think they have every opportunity now to to sell it to to, to chop it out, and and I don't think a bidding war is unexpected right now.
1: Justin, your take, please. I agree with that. I think that just as a, uh, you know, a watcher of these movies, I I think one of the the apprehensions I have is that it's hard to tell where that you take the franchise from where it's at now Uh, that, you know, if you go back further than the most recent sort of reboot of, of a trilogy that they did, I think starting in 2016, the Halloween franchise really kind of ran into the ground. Uh, Many, many sequels, um, bad sequel yeah yeah and they didn't do do quite so well at the box office either and for a long time it was basically dead uh there was a, a sort of a resurgence of trying to do um you know a kind of a series of more uh harder horror um uh, more like, gory horror um well not not to say that the movies new movies weren't gory but there was a different a stylistically different take in the two th- uh, mid-2000s that didn't quite work. I, I'm pretty sure Halloween had, had two attempts. Um, Friday, uh, Friday the 13th had one. I think uh, Nightmare on Elm Street also had a, a movie that didn't quite do yeah. so well uh, in, the, in the mid-2000s. Um, but this new recent reboot of Halloween really nailed it. Uh, they did really well, especially with the one in, in 2016. Um, I'm hoping I'm getting that year right. I'm pretty sure it was 2016. But uh, it's hard to it's hard to envision where you take the franchise from here, because you can't really do the same approach, which was kind of a quasi uh, sequel to the first movie. Which is, it's not a unique approach to uh, an older franchise. Um, you know, even as far back as uh, Superman Returns, I think was a. Uh, or which Superman movie was had Brandon Routh in it? That was a sequel to Super- Superman Returns. That yeah, was Superman Returns, right? So it's not a unique approach. There, there has there has been a a a, a, a stylistic t- a, a, attempt by studios to basically just ignore, basically pick a point that's popular in a franchise, and make a sequel um, series, basically ignoring all of the other entries in the franchise that had originally followed that one movie uh i just don't see them doing that again um well i guess the one thing that i uh, that my mind goes to is the original intention of the halloween movies which was supposed to be an anthology um where each movie was not exactly related to the last one It was more of just a um you know a, a series that's about halloween as a um you know as a as a focal point at the holiday as a focal point that that becomes very difficult to do now because Michael Myers is so synonymous with Halloween the franchise but I'm very curious to see what they do with it obviously horror movies in general uh, are doing well and continue to do well um, it's just it's difficult to envision what they do with the franchise uh, from here especially you know even even this new rebooted franchise uh, from from my understanding the the first movie was pretty much universally well-received, and then it was a little more mixed um, going from there, but uh, um, but I'm, I'm curious to see what, what goes on, and uh, obviously it does have a lot of potential.
0: You know, the funny thing about it is, you were right, they were not as kind with it review standpoint from the third film especially. Bottom line, though, is horror films have never been darlings for the critic. You mentioned Saw 10. They're not screening that for the press. I'm disappointed in that, but they've already come out and said they've already got plans for the next film. I'm also realistic enough to remember, yeah, I remember going back and seeing the first film in Seattle where they had uh, the director and the producer-writer, James and Lee, right there in in the theater. We had a reception with them afterwards. They didn't screen another one for the press all the way through up until Spiral last year which I remember very clearly was one of the first films that we were allowed to screen as press after the shutdown. And I remember there being like eight, ten of us in the theater had to have our masks on, we had to be all spaced out, and we were just happy to be back watching a movie. So, you know, the the thing about the horror films, as you mentioned, yeah, the, the recent Halloween films, not the not the new ones, did not meet expectations, but the bottom line is they made money, because the joy of horror films is that they are cheap to make, they generally do well, especially now with the streaming market, they, uh, a lot of them are finding all kinds of new life and uh, a bigger audience, and then you just look at this uh, past few weeks, you have The Nun too. comes out, doesn't have a huge budget, movies made $204 million. now people will say well that's not that bit, you know yeah, movies making a billion, uh, 500 million, so on and so forth. But when your budget is 20, 25 million dollars or less, 204 million dollars is a success. And then you're going to factor in pay per view, you're going to factor in home video release, you're going to factor in streaming. That's a tidy chunk of change. And they would be absolutely stupid not to say, okay, well, you know, we were going to wrap up the Conjuring series, but mm, maybe we need to rethink this. And, of course, that always becomes the problem of, well, do we do a spinoff? Do we do a reboot? Whatever. But the bottom line is the money is still there. And, uh, gentlemen, before we move on, I just got an email with breaking news from SAG-AFTRA. And uh, as we're celebrating, there is still some uh, negative news out there that needs to be addressed. It says SAG-AFTRA members have approved a video game strike authorization with a 98.32% yes vote. Uh, essentially, they're authorizing the strike. This does not mean that they will go on strike, but nearly 35,000 members cast the ballots representing roughly 27.5% of eligible voters, and this is going to be for the people who do voiceover work and uh, motion capture, which usually go hand-in-hand hand for uh, video games. So we've talked about that in the past. We don't need to go into it about what it may happen. I mean, for all we know, it may not happen. They may resolve the issue. But that was breaking news that just came down. I got an email from the PR firm representing sag after it. it came in as we were recording, so I felt we should update that before we move on because up next, video games. But before that, I wanted to talk about the office. We have been getting a lot of reports that the very successful and popular TV show, The Office, which is streaming in the U.S. on Peacock, has gained an even larger following thanks to streaming, and uh, word is that as soon as the writer's strike is officially declared over, we know they've stopped picketing as of today, uh, there is going to be a reboot announced, uh, whether or not members of the original cast will appear in it, are uh, you know, is to be seen, but uh, we've been told that it is going to be back, and it is indeed going to be with the original creator of the U.S. version of the show. So a lot of people think it definitely might be more a revival slash reboot than one or the other. And uh, so you got Greg Daniels back in, and they're ready to go. Justin, what do you think?
1: It's interesting I am a huge fan of the office. it's one of my favorite shows uh, of all time you know it, it, it came out of basically a perfect time for, for me I was uh, I think in high school when the office like initially aired so I thought it was one of those shows that I followed season after season after season even after you know Michael Scott left and um, the show definitely uh, didn't didn't really recover from that but I still stuck through it just because I was a, such a huge fan of the show. I'm honestly a little apprehensive about returning to it just because, you know, having watched the show a few times, even uh, quite a bit uh, after it had stopped airing, there's just a lot of aspects about its humor. I just, uh, you know, I, I love it, um, but I can just see it not working um, in a, in a more modern um, setting. Plus, there's there's the other aspect too. It just occurred to me, you know, as we were talking about it a little bit ago, um, the whole concept of the office is really based on uh, something that is like increasingly doesn't exist anymore. Now it does for me. I, I go to an office, but for for more and more people every day, uh, that that is just not really an environment that people really uh, um, connect with anymore. Um, as more and more positions are our work from home um, so a lot of the dynamics and a lot of the jokes and a lot of the humor that's based upon you no know, what, what happens in an office uh you know which is honestly really really important to connecting with the show it it seems like it's just increasingly we, we're getting farther away from uh what made the office the office uh i'm so in either regard i i, I think it's it's kind of treading dangerous ground because returning to it, I don't think really that would be pretty difficult. A lot of the actors, you know, unless you got everybody on board who was involved, uh, involved originally, if you got them back, you know, into the, the same roles that could maybe work, but a lot of those people have kind of moved on or they've changed. Plus the show basically ended in such a way where everybody, every character kind of got, you know their their own ending so what do you do to try to bring them all back for an entire show um so the the more common sense approach would be to basically reboot it with all new characters but then you run into the same problems i mentioned earlier one you know people just aren't as connected to the office as a uh, you know as a setting I, I guess and the other aspect too is just the humor you know i, I just think that the humor might not work quite as well uh with uh, modern sensibilities unless they change it significantly so um, I'm, I'm curious obviously as a huge fan but uh, we'll have to kind of see how they do it
0: and Michael your take please yeah I agree I, th- I do agree that
2: um, I, I think the, I, even with people going into an office today I still think it's vastly different than it was back in the what, early 2000s time frame um a lot of what made it so classic isn't really relevant anymore. Um, even for those of us who do go into an office now, that's not to say they won't modernize it and potentially make it a little bit more, you know, relevant, you know, adding things like working from home and, and that sort of thing. I just don't know how well that will work. Um, cause again, a lot of what made, the Office, The Office, uh, kind of a lot like what makes Dilbert, Dilbert, is um, the relatability of, of the characters in those particular positions in The Office, and I think um, things have changed significantly over the past decade or so, where a lot of that is kind of blurred a bit and just doesn't, probably doesn't resonate with newer um, employees as it, as it would have with Um, employees at the time. Now, again, they could modernize it. They could definitely um, retrofit it a bit to make it more applicable to what an office is today. Um, again, the humor, uh, to Justin's point, you know, that, that was a lot of what made it funny, I guess at the time, which, you know, isn't maybe, maybe as, um, acceptable anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's always, you know, I think a lot of people were concerned with bringing it over from the UK and then, and, and making it popular with us audiences. And I think that was kind of proven to work, right. They were able to uh, adapt it for a us audience. Cause obviously the UK version is, is, you know, conceptually it's the same, but um, sense of humor wise, pretty different UK shows in general are pretty different when it comes to sense of humor. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, grabbing a new audience, I think would interesting versus maybe an older audience that already liked the original
0: you're so right in terms of how do you do it um you look at the last couple of seats and i think anybody who's been fair and objective would say without steve carell there was a big hit to the show the remaining cast was good but there was something missing and their attempts to bring in new characters didn't quite work as well as it was before. You know, there were a lot of new staff members introduced, and some of them worked, some of them did not work. And like you said, Justin, most of them had their closure, as it were. And so they have to have a a tricky situation here. It's going to be an odd comparison, but let's think back to the 80s, if we can go that far. Everybody thought Star Trek The Next Generation was going to fail. It was, you can't put out a new show with all this new cast members. Nobody knew who any of these people were outside of LeVar Burton. And sure, Gene Roddenberry has had had his hand on it. And then, wait, you're not going to be on a network. You're going to be in syndication, and it's going to be at different times and uh, days of the week in different markets. And, wow, in L.A., it's going to be right up against Monday Night Football. This thing's going to fail. And it didn't. Now, we can talk about many of the reasons why it succeeded, but that's a problem I think the office is going to have. If you come in and you say, here's this brand new cast, here's a new office. Is it going to be Dunder Mifflin? Is it going to be Saber? uh, Dunder Mifflin, Saber, whatever, where they left, is it going to be an entirely new one? That would be a problem. You have to have some continuity. And I think one of the easiest things to do would be Dwight finally got his dream and he was running the office when the show ended. We always heard throughout the series, and yes, Dwight at the end of the series had become much more appreciative of his coworkers. He became a better person to work with, that sort of thing. But we always heard about how he and Angela wanted to shape the office in their image, and that she would run the women, and he would run the men, and he would have his team. I think that would be a great jumping-off point. Who was he – You know, who did he think these people can stay, these people can go – And go from there. And that would be a good starting point. But you have to have some kind of continuity. Because right now, I was reading about how there's an Australian version about to launch with Felicia Day. You know in time, that will eventually make it to streaming. And you know people are going to definitely want to have a look at that. So we'll see. A lot of interesting stuff ahead. And uh, speaking of which, before we wrap things up, I wanted to mention we have new content coming for – Fallout 76, which is going to bring out the Atlantic City uh, environments. You're going to have the casino where you can actually gamble. You're going to have new missions, new monsters, new gear. We're getting new content for Elder Scrolls Online. And then, if that wasn't big enough news, there is a huge bombshell drop for Call of Duty with their Season 6 update. Now, a lot of people said with Modern Warfare 3 coming in November, we didn't think we'd get anything this big, but there is a huge update coming for their Season 6 update. Uh, all free content, and it's coming for both Modern Warfare 2 and uh, Warzone 2. And part of it includes uh, several Halloween events, such as uh, Undead Hunts and an event called The Haunting. You will have new maps Uh, Some of them will come out at the start of the season, some will come out at the midpoint of the season. You'll have all kinds of new uh, team-up opportunities, new equipment, new gear. I mean, the the press release they sent us was gigantic. It was bigger than the one for Modern Warfare 3, so this looks like a massive update. Uh, I can tell you this, one of the skins that I was shown was Ash from the Evil Dead squaring off against a soldier, so that will be very interesting to see how that plays out and of course it's clever how it's spread between modern warfare 2 and Warzone 2 so if you want the full experience you may have to jump between the two of them so that'll be something to look forward to i want to say top of my head october 5th i think is when those start to roll out but uh you know we will see so uh michael is there anything uh coming up game wise tech wise uh, business-wise that you wanted to uh, mention before we wrap things up today?
2: Oh, not particularly other than I wait for Alan Wake 2 and City Skylines 2 to come out.
0: So. Uh, absolutely. Not I don't I have think... enough things going
2: on to play right now as it is. But, you
0: <laughs> no, know, sure. no kidding. I keep getting all these codes being offered to me and it's like, yeah, just as I have a little bit of time to uh, get things caught up and do that. Uh, you know. But hey, nice problem to have. Definitely a nice problem to have. Justin, wrap us up tonight. What do you have coming up on your schedule?
1: Yeah, it's uh Alan Wake 2. I've been kind of diving into Cyberpunk with uh the new content. It's actually pretty good so far and uh but uh, I'm really just looking forward to Alan Wake 2 right now and uh like you guys said, it's just there's so much stuff out there right now. It's just really really saturated with with good games. That it is. And that's going to do
0: it for us this week, folks. You have a very safe week ahead. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, take care.